Father, we just want to thank you, Father, for this day. Once again, Lord, here in your presence, O Lord. Father, even as we devote this time, Father, for the meditation of your word, speak to our hearts. Prepare us, even as we delve into your word, O Lord Jesus. Search us as we sang, as we worshipped. Search us, search us, O Lord. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Empower us, O Lord, even as we receive your word by faith. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Strengthen us, O Lord, even as we go through this time of separating ourselves, O Lord. Truly, Lord, enable us to make us make ourselves humble before Thee. Strengthen us in our inner man. Prepare us for the days ahead. Bring to remembrance things we have already learnt. Strengthen the convictions that we already that we have already received. Let them grow in us. Let them take root deep inside our spirit, man. Thank you, Father. Commit this entire time of meditation to your hands. Speak to us. Anoint us. And cause us to obey. Write your laws in the tables of our heart. And cause us to walk in your ways. Thank you, Father. We praise you. We worship you. We give you glory for in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been looking at... uh, Preparing ourselves for judgment. Looking from Second Corinthians chapter five. <clears throat> um, therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well pleasing to Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat. The, this is what we call as the bema seat of Christ, uh, and this is not the great white throne of judgment. Uh, this is the Bema seat where all his children uh, will be rewarded for the works that they have done. Uh, all the works that you have done will be tested by fire and all that can be burnt will be burnt and all that will remain will stand. So that is the Bema seat of Christ. So that each one may receive the things done in the body. Where are they done? The things are done in the body, right? So things done in the body according to uh, according to what he has done whether good or whether bad so there are only two things good or bad righteous or unrighteous of faith or unbelief okay there are only two options that is the reason why the bible says he who is righteous let him be righteous still he who is holy let him be holy still he who is unjust let him be unjust still and who is he who is filthy oh, let him be filthy still so in the in the days ahead, there will be a tremendous ingathering of all the saints and there will be a falling away as well. There will be wheat and there will be the tears. And the harvest is coming, the end of the age is coming. Both are growing together and there will be a clear demarcation uh, among the people of God, those who are good and those who are bad. So understand this. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are all well known to God and I also are well uh, trust we are well known in your consciences so uh, we've been looking at the fact that god is a god who judges and this this is eternal judgment and this is once and for all 
So this has got nothing to do with our gifts. See, gifts will cease. Prophecies will cease. Everything that God has given us to do his work on this earth will cease. What we carry with us into eternity is our character. That God has wrought in us. That is the reason why he says everything is working together for those, for the good of those who love God and what he called according to his purpose. And what is the purpose? That we should be conformed to the image of his son in increasing measure. That is the reason why in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 5, he says, examine ourselves whether Christ is in us. Test your own selves and let us know. Examine, test and know whether who is there inside of us? Christ is there inside of us or not. That is the reason why we are looking at God's parameters of eternal judgment. How is God going to judge? And uh, we've been we've been looking at from Romans chapter 2. Let's read that once again. Now, the fourth parameter of God's judgment. For when Gentiles who do not have the law, um, by nature do the things in the law, these, although not having the law, are a law to themselves, who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and between themselves their thoughts accusing or else excusing them. So, so we looked at it four. Let's uh, review that. How does God judge? He judges according to truth. God judges according to your works. He judges without partiality. And God judges according to the light that we have. According to the light that we have. So to whom much is given, much will be required. So he who has, he who knows the master's will and did not prepare himself will be beaten with many. Whether they are stripes or something else, we don't know. Okay, with many. But he who did not know the master's will will be having a few stripes because to whom much is given, much will be required. That is the reason why Second Corinthians chapter 8 verse 12 will say, For if there is first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has and not according to what one does not have. Okay, so my brothers, therefore, let not many of you be teachers, knowing we shall receive a stricter judgment. Therefore, God is going to judge us according to the light that we have received. So if God is going to judge us according to the light that we have received, how are we supposed to live? According to the light that we have received is something which we looked at. And we looked at two metaphors last, last time. We looked at the metaphor of salt and the metaphor of, metaphor of light. We looked at, this is, this is essentially what Matthew chapter 5 will say. You are the salt of the earth. And if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and be trodden under the foot of men. And God will allow, because you do not you did not uh, 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 fulfill your function as a as a salt of the earth, and God will allow uh, the Gentiles to trample you. And verse 14 will say, You are the light of the world, a city that is on a hill that cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. It gives light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Therefore, uh, therefore, how do we become this light? In the light that we have received, how we become light is something which we looked at last time. And we looked at a very important principle. We become light by walking with God in union and agreeing with God and bearing fruit. It's called the fruit of light. There are works of the flesh and there's a fruit of the spirit. We walk in the spirit and when we walk in the spirit, we have union with the father and we have fruit unto God. Therefore, we have fruit of light. 
right? We looked at three examples. We looked at the example of Enoch. We looked at the example of Noah. And we also looked at the example of Abraham who walked with God and produced the fruit of light. Okay, this is not works of darkness which are unfruitful. It is the fruit of light. That is the reason why Ephesians chapter 5 will say, For you were sometimes darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. And how do you, how do you walk? Even as you walk as children of the light, you produce, you produce fruit of the spirit, which is in the light, in all goodness and righteousness and truth. We looked at that. that therefore, this is basically in union with God, we produce this fruit, fruit. Romans chapter 7 verse 4 will say, therefore, my brothers, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that you should bear what? Fruit before God. This is in union with Jesus Christ, even as we walk with him, we bear this fruit. So we looked at this very important principle last time as to how to walk in the light. Today we look at another example as to how to walk in light and how to bear the fruit of light. Okay, so let us uh, see a very important example one of, again, my favorite examples from the Word of God, uh, titled today's teaching as Burning and Shining. Okay? Burning and Shining. So when I say burning and shining, whom sh- whom should who should come to your mind? Hmm? Burning and shining. Oh my goodness, everybody's... Okay, I'll, I'll not... Uh, embarrass you (laughs) John's gospel chapter 5 this is what Jesus has to say about a very important person we'll come to that person okay yes you have sent to John and he has borne witness to the truth yet I do not receive testimony from man but I say these things that you may be saved and look at what it says he was the burning and shining lamp who was that John, okay. He was he? He was the burning. So he's the one who's having, he was having the light. Okay. He was having the light. You should live like what? Light. Okay. He was called the burning and the shining lamp. So the interesting, the way the, uh, the word lamp has been qualified. Okay. It's adjective. Noun is lamp. And how do you qualify and uh, give uh, adjectives to lamp? It's called a shining lamp. It's called a burning lamp. Okay, a burning lamp and a shining lamp. So lamp is, is Apostle, uh, sorry, John the Baptist. And that lamp is called a shining lamp. Why is he called a shining lamp? Because that lamp is not hidden. It's being shown to all. And it's got burn, is a burning lamp because it is impossible for somebody to be a shining lamp unless there is what? Burning. Okay. And you were willing for a time to rejoice in his light. So he was giving light. He was living that life that uh, was expected of him. And why are we taking this very important uh, example uh, for understanding uh, this parameter of God's judgment as to how to live in light? If you look at uh, the 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 if you look at the life of John the Baptist, he was what we call as the the last of the old covenant prophets. That's what Jesus says. Mm, the law and the prophets were until John. So he's he's the last of the old covenant prophets, first thing. Second, he was a link between the New Testament and the, so Old Testament and the New Testament. He was a link, meaning the Old Testament was passing away, something new was coming, a new dispensation was coming. 
Third thing, he was the one who came in the spirit and the power of Elijah, who was preparing the way for the Lord in during his first coming. And so, in the Bible, we have two ways of teaching. One is precept, and the other is pattern. So he's a pattern of a new covenant church, who in the last days, new covenant church, in the last days, will have the spirit and the power of Elijah upon them. And what will they do? They will also be the dispensation link between this life and the coming millennium. Okay. So when you look at the pattern of life, uh, which has been ex- uh, exemplified through John the Baptist, what is required of a new covenant church? You get a, you get, you get precepts. You understand the requirements of the new covenant church and how should they prepare themselves so that they will be the people who will be ready for the coming of the Messiah. That's the idea here. Okay. You are the light of the world. Matthew chapter five, right? Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel. So he was a shining lamp. They put it under the candlestick. So he was, his life was not hidden. Okay. There was a time when he was hidden. We'll come to that later on. So let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. That is the reason why it says in Luke's gospel, chapter seven, verse 28 and onwards, it says, and all the tax collectors and the prostitutes, they glorified God having been or and justified God having been baptized in the baptism of John. Okay. They glorified God and they justified God having been baptized by the, in the baptism of John. So, you, so they, they, they looked at this light and we, we, and we, sh- we need to understand how God's pattern is, okay, of preparing his last new covenant church, the end time church, which will be that one link which will usher the kingdom of God and which will prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah, the second coming, of course. Okay? Okay, let's move on. John's Gospel, chapter 5. He was a burning lamp and he was a shining lamp. And the shining lamp implies that his light was not hidden. There was a testimony. Okay. And he was a burning lamp. And what was a, what does burning imply? Burning implies fuel. So what was the fuel for John the Baptist? Okay. What was the fuel for John the Baptist? Look at what it says in Luke's gospel chapter 12 verse 35. Let your waist be girded and your lamps be burning. Okay, let your ways be good. I mean, guard your loins with truth. And what causes, what is the fuel for the lamp to continuously be burning? There are two things which are implied in the word of God. Let's see what those two are, who those two are. Revelation chapter 4 verse 5. And from the throne preceded lightnings, thunderings and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. So what causes the burning of the lamp? It is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit inside of your life. It is the anointing of the Holy Spirit that you receive, which will cause the burning. What else causes the burning? Luke's Gospel chapter 24. Let's read Luke's Gospel chapter 24, verse 32. And they said to one another, Did not our hearts burn? What, what burned? Our hearts began to burn when he talked to us. Okay. And while he opened the scriptures. So there are two fuels for the lamp to be burning. One is the anointing of the Holy Spirit and is the revelation of the person of Jesus Christ in the scriptures. These are the two sources of the fuel for which we, with which we have, we are supposed to burn. That is the light that we receive. The light that we receive should be exemplified through our lives. The light that we received should be exemplified through our lives. Remember the the, the vision of the olive trees, um, that um, myrtle trees, sorry, that who has? Prophet Zechariah has. 
Yes, on upon Zerubbabel. And he says, what are these? These are the people from, from whom you get this anointing oil. They're continuously pouring this anointing oil. The ministry of the Holy Spirit and the ministry of the, of, of the revelation. These two are absolutely important. They have to continuously supply the, the fuel so that their light will continuously keep burning. Therefore, it says, do not quench the Holy Spirit. And how do you quench the Holy Spirit? That's exactly what happened to the virgins. How did they quench the Holy Spirit? They forgot to have the extra anointing oil in their, la- in their, uh, in their cups. And how do you gather anointing? <laughs> Coming together as a body of believers. Why? Because the Lord has con- commanded anointing over here, right? Okay. One of the ways. And you keep on asking God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, there are two important important uh, pillars. One is the Holy Spirit, which is coming into your life. And the other is the anointed word. These two things will be the, the fuel with which you have to burn. And those things are not, uh, are just not for your, uh, for your knowledge. They are some things which will, which will, which God will give you as fuel. And then you are supposed to burn. So burning and shining lamp. So we want to look at this burning and shining lamp. In this burning and shining lamp, I have seven, I have outlined seven attributes, seven characteristics of this, of this man to become a burning and a shining lamp. What is it? Seven attributes, seven attributes of this end time church, if you will. John the Baptist exemplifies an end time church which will prepare the way for the Messiah. And what are these seven attributes of this end time church and the individual Bodies of this, uh, constituents of this untime church, so that they will be ready for the preparation for the, and uh, ready and prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah. Seven attributes. The first attribute. There is a vision. What is that? There is a vision. Second, there is a preparation. What is that? Preparation. Third, there is a living word that you receive. Fourth, there is a witness. Fifth, there is a revelation. Sixth, there is fruit. Seventh, there is persecution. Perfect end time church. What is there first? There is a vision. For this end time church, there should be a vision. Corresponding to the vision, there is a preparation. Corresponding to the preparation and the vision, you receive the living word to prepare you. And corresponding to that, there is a witness. And corresponding to that witness, there is a revelation through your ministry of the Son of God. We'll come to that. There is fruit in your life. Fruit of the Spirit and also fruit that you produce in making disciples in your life. And seven, there is persecution. All these things are absolutely important. Only this church, which has gone through these seven processes, Will be a, will be a church which will be of the caliber of John the Baptist, which will be the burning and shining lamp preparing the way for the Messiah to come. So understand this? So first thing, let us look at each of these attributes, spend a, spend a few minutes on each of these attributes and prepare ourselves as well. First thing, there is a, what? A vision. There is a a vision. And who gave the vision? Jesus himself, I mean, God himself gave the vision and that is prophesied through his oh, his own father, Zechariah, prophesies. Look at what he says in Luke's gospel, chapter 1, verse 76 onwards. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest. For you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, hmm, 
to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins. So, you see, what is happening in John the Baptist will have to happen through the end time church as well. Because he was also the one who came in the spirit and the power of Elijah, right? To give knowledge of salvation. So what is he, what will he do? He will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of sins. And then, through the tender mercies of our God, with which the day spring from which on high has visited us. The word for day spring occurs again another time in Second Peter or Second Peter chapter one. Exactly. When the day star arises in our hearts. What is a day star arising in our hearts? How does a day star arise? Because we have the much sure prophetic word. And when we understand the prophetic scriptures, we have the day star. What is this day star or morning star? This is the star which arises just before the dawn. So what do we have? We have the revelation and rather there is a preparation in our heart knowing that the coming of the Lord is there and there is what? Excitement. What is there? Excitement, expectation, etc. Okay. So, through the tender mercies of our Lord with which the day spring from which on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. This is the purpose of the end time church. Ultimately, to prepare the way of the Lord and to bring people into salvation, to bring all those people who are, who are walking in darkness and the shadow of death so that they will come to the way of peace. That is the purpose of the end time. This is the vision which was given to John the Baptist and which is given to all of us. If, if there is no vision, what will happen to us? Oh, look at what it says. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. Easy to remember. 2 times 9, 18, right? For there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law happy is he. So this is, uh, in the ESV, it's very interesting. Look at what it says. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. You see that? Where there is no prophetic vision, what will happen to you? You will waste all your sources. You see, it is very important for you to have focus. Once you have focus, all your energies should be, you know, uh, directed towards that. Once you know this is my goal in life, everything has to be centered around that goal. Okay, you need to have a vision, a God-given vision. Otherwise, you will scatter the energies that God has given you. Okay. That is the reason why Paul says, I'm not, I have a very clear vision. I'm not a person who's beating in the air. I don't waste my energy. Hmm. Every time, in fact, I box, I make sure that I hit, I hit, hit bullseye. Okay. I have absolute clear vision. There's a prophetic word that has come into my life. This is my goal in my life. And what am I supposed to do? This is the vision that God has given me. Everything has to be centered around that vision. Okay. Understand this. No, we are all people who are, who have been given this, you know, as a church coming together for a 21 day fast. Some of you in your family may not be able to fast because of whatever reasons. But do you create an ambience in your home so that there is a place, there's a there's a there's an environment where you're fasting, you're praying, you're seeking the face of God, you're not distracted? Hmm? Very important because there's a vision, there's a goal for us as church and as individuals in the body of Christ. So everything in our life has to be centered around that. We've just cut off everything and say, okay, fine. This is what we've been asked to do for 21 days. Let's shut down everything. And let us concentrate on seeking the face of God. Let's not get distracted with anything that, any other thing, forget food for the next 21 days. 
whatever is there we eat we will eat of course forget the children children have to be um, taken care of okay but we are not children anymore right so there should be a prophetic vision and corresponding to that prophetic vision our entire focus has to be there has to be there look at what it says uh, what paul tells timothy in first timothy chapter 1 verse 18 this charge i commit to you son timothy according to the prophecies previously made concerning you you have you ha- you had a po- perfect prof- prophetic word about your life okay that by them you may what what do you do using the prophetic word what should you do you should wage a good warfare you should wage a good warfare okay what is the prophetic word one day you will be whatever so and so so and so so and so and if that is a prophetic word do everything in your capacity to ensure that you wage the good warfare so that the prophecies that have come up, come upon your life will come to pass wage hmm? a good warfare why? Having faith and a good conscience, which some having rejected concerning the faith, have suffered what? Shipwreck. They've destroyed their lives. And who's that one fellow who did it? Ah, Hermonius and Alexander Coppersmith. I don't want to mention that. And whom I have handed over to Satan that they will learn not to blaspheme. So he's telling Timothy, Timothy, you know the prophecies that have, that have, uh, that have been spoken over your life, right? It was a prophetic word which was given to each one of us. I'm sure. For over my life, for sure. And concern, if that prophetic word has to come to pass, what am I supposed to do? I must wage a good warfare. First, I should, first of all, I should say, this is what my purpose is in my life. And I'm not going to get distracted with anything. Look at what it says in Acts chapter 26 about Apostle Paul. Look at the clear vision that God gave the Apostle Paul. Acts chapter 26, verse 15 onwards. So I said, who are you, Lord? <clears throat> This is on the way to Damascus. And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But arise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which are yet to reveal, which are to be revealed to you. You already saw a few things. I am also going to reveal a lot of other things to you. What are you supposed to do? You are to be supposed to be a witness. And then, what is the, and he specifies that. Look at what he says. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as also, as also, as well as from the Gentiles and I will send you to the Gentiles to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to power of God, that they may receive the forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are being sanctified by faith in me. So there was a fivefold ministry that was given to Apostle Paul. The vision was clearly defined. This is what you are supposed to be doing in your life. And you know what he says in the same chapter? What is his confession? Exactly. Therefore, King Agrippa, I have not been disobedient to that heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea then to and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works befitting repentance. So he said, you know, I received a vision for my life. Okay. Each of us have received a vision for your life. What First, first of all, do you have a goal? Do you have a name? Paul had a name. This is our aim. We make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be what? Well-pleasing to him, because we must all... You know what for the word for appear is? Completely revealed, as we are, before God. Dood ka dood, pani ka pani. There's a vision. There's a purpose. Okay. Don't get distracted from it. Do everything in your capacity to say, to ensure that vision in my life, I'm going to fulfill it. Otherwise, we know what's going to happen. 
somebody else will run away with your crowns okay some day somebody will run away with your crowns don't be those people who will only enter into eternity with all their works burnt you see you lost vision lot was one guy who lost his vision okay the moment he saw eden he looked at it as a garden of god and as well as sort of eden egypt egypt and garden of god simultaneously appeared in sodom for him he lost it judges chapter 13 this was a vision which was given about samson look at what it says now there was a certain man from zora of the family of danites whose name was manoha and his wife was barren and had no children and the angel of the lord appeared to the woman and said to her indeed now you are barren and have borne no children but you shall conceive and bear a son now therefore please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink and not to eat anything unclean for behold you shall conceive and bear a son and no razor shall come upon his head for the child shall be a nazarite to god from the womb and he shall begin to deliver israel out of the hand of the philistines whose vision was this samson's vision okay we all have been given a god given vision so what did john the baptist have he had a vision what is our vision our vision is to prepare ourselves and the people whom god has entrusted into our hands for the coming of the lord okay. let me tell you something no if you are not focused in winning souls if the things of god don't excite us like pastor was saying if the things of god don't excite us that's exactly what happened you know if you look at the church of antioch and the church of jerusalem which church do you think is better antioch why they were people who were mission centric and they, they had everything over there they were mission centric you will not see the church in jerusalem sending apostles the first time where were the people called christians in antioch not in jerusalem and what happened in people in jerusalem they were all internally they focused completely in their own problems we are getting only two idlis is they are getting four idlis what is this this distribution of food there was problem where did it start food ke pass and what happened that's the reason why antioch started much later but they went far ahead of the church in jerusalem why because they became focused with the things of what god was focused in what was the purpose of god that you should go into all the world and make what disciples of all nations and what were they doing in the church in antioch fasting and praying and worshiping and ministering unto the lord and what happened the holy spirit said separate unto me who Paul and Barnabas are they what junior pastor or much much lower minister no the best in your lot for the purposes of ministry so that i can send them as apostles into the mission field see what is happening there was a vision what was the vision go into all the world and make disciples of all nations baptizing teaching them to observe all that i have commanded baptizing them in the name of the, them in the name of the father and the son of the holy spirit and behold i am with you always why should god god be with us always if uh, our purposes if in this life only we have hope in christ jesus of all the people we are the most pitiable miserable etc 
So that is the reason why the vision is very important. We cannot get internally focused and say, oh, this is not there in my life. What is the whole purpose of fasting? The whole purpose of fasting that we humble ourselves and Lord, quicken me. You know, one, I think uh, Lou Engel said, uh, very made a very powerful statement. He says, fasting is by which you prepare yourself a platform for the revelations of God to land in. What should happen? Fasting is by which you prepare yourself as a platform for the revelations of God to land in. Okay. Otherwise, there are other platforms also you can prepare. You know why they asked you, ask them to remove the ornaments, etc. from their, from their, uh, from their, uh, ears, etc. You know why? Because those are platforms for the, for the evil spirits to land. So prepare yourself as a platform so the revelations, so the vision of God can come into your life. For the revelations of God to come into your life. We cannot be internally focused. Oh, my problem, my problem, my problem. We can, we'll keep on becoming internally focused. That's exactly what happened to the church in, church in, uh, Jerusalem. They became internally focused and church in Antioch went much ahead of them. Understand this. So there's a vision. And what is the vision? Go into all the world and make disciples. And what is the vision of our church? Prepare a people. Teach the believers. Strengthen them, equip them, so that they can go into the mission field and equip others as well. That is the reason why it says in Second Timothy chapter two, the things that you have heard from me, what should you do? Entrust it into faithful men who are able to teach others also. Okay, entrust. So first thing we need to we need to have is a vision, and corresponding to the vision, what should we have? Second stage, there is a preparation. What is the preparation? Let let us see. What is the preparation? Preparation may pura. <laughs> the problem is where in the preparation is great, but the preparation is a pro- is a problem, right? In Luke's Gospel, chapter one, verse eight, eighty. This is the preparation for the guy who had the vision. So the child grew and became strong in the. Okay, we are talking about the strength in the spirit, not the strength in the body. Okay, and he was in the deserts till the day of his manifestation to Israel. This is what we call as of a life which was hidden. There was a time of separation. Preparation without separation is useless. Okay. For example, you are preparing for an exam. You are having nice television running on one side. And you are trying to study for your exam. Is it possible? Chandra, is it possible? So what should you do first? Ah, thank you very much. You switch off the television first. That means what are you supposed to do? You have to separate and then prepare. Separate and prepare. Preparation without separation is useless. So, you, the, the, therefore, the, the whole purpose, see the whole purpose, to this is a spiritual vision. So, where do you need strength? In the spirit. That is the reason why Paul said, tell, tells in Romans chapter 1, he says, Whom I, I serve my God, how? In the spirit. The strength is the strength of the spirit. Okay, Proverbs chapter 18 verse 14, if I'm saying, I, 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 I think, I think oh, 18, 14, if I'm right. Proverbs 18, 14. Uh, it says, um, even, as, if you, even if you have a sick body, but if you have a strong spirit, you can sustain it. Right? If you can, somebody can see if you have it. Uh, 18, 14 of Proverbs. If I'm right. Yeah. I think I'm right. Ah, the spirit of a man will sustain him in sickness. Who can bear a broken spirit? Okay. In other words, if you have a broken spirit and a strong body, 
useless but even if you have a not a very strong body but if you have a strong spirit so it's a, the, the 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 entire objective is to make you strong in the spirit where is the spirit it is in the inner man right that is the inner man that the, the, that is a real spiritual you ephesians chapter 3 verse 16 will say that he would grant you according to the riches of glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit where in the inner man you should be strengthened there in the inner man okay Outwardly, outwardly we may be perishing, but what is happening to the internal man? It is becoming stronger and stronger. Look at what it says in Second Corinthians chapter four, verse sixteen. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. Yet our inward man is is being what renewed day by day. Renewed means what? It's growing in strength day by day. How is this happening? How is this happening? Look at what it says. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we, what? Do not look at things which are seen. Not a temporary, but the eternal. So that is the reason why there is a separation. And then there is a preparation. Okay. There is a, so where does God take him? He takes him into the deserts. The wilderness is not the right word. Desert. Desert is right, very nice. In desert, you don't have two things. Water is not there. Food is also not there. For these two things, whom should you depend upon? God. That's the idea. What is wilderness? Where a person is absolutely abandoned himself on the sustenance from God. Wilderness is a place where you are humbled. Look at what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 8. About the wilderness. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 1 onwards. Every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe. That you may live and multiply and go in peace. Uh, go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. This is a vision. That you should multiply and go and possess the land that is meant for your fathers. Whom is he telling this to? He is telling this to the generation which is going to enter into the promised land. All their forefathers who wandered in the wilderness have perished. Now this is a generation which was about to enter into the promised land and he's telling them what the wilderness was supposed to have done to them. Look at what he says. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these how many years? 40 years. Now look at this. What was the purpose of God? How many years was the purposes of God for, for in the wilderness? What was God? How many years did God want them to be in uh, in the wilderness for? Two years, only two years. After two years, they came to Kadesh Barnea. So that means in two years, the wilderness was supposed to have done its work, but did it do its work? No. Okay. And they wandered in the wilderness for thirty-eight years. Thirty-eight years of waste. It's like, you know, one guy enters into a B.Tech program. What are you? B.Tech, 8th year. 8th year. Are a 4 year B.Tech program, 8 years, what are you doing? I know one, st- one, one student, I mean, from in, when I was studying in, uh, in university. IIT J 50 rank. 50. All India. Hawaii is all India rank, okay? AIR is Hawaii, okay? Hawaii is 50. Hmm? And what happened to that 50th rank fellow? He was doing B.Tech for almost 7 and a half years, 8 years. He lost it. Okay. So the wilderness is only for four, two years. And what did he do in the wilderness? You shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to what? To humble you. The purpose of the wilderness is to humble you. Then you test you. 
That's exactly what happened to David in the wilderness. He was tested in his secret closet. He was tested. He was tested whether he was absolutely loyal to the few sheep that God has entrusted into his hands. And when the lion came, he attacked the lion. When a bear came, he attacked the bear. He won every battle in secret in the wilderness. Right? To know that what is, to know what is in your heart. You should know what is in your heart. So what will expose your heart? The wilderness. And what is wilderness? Lack. Discipline. Search me, O God, and show me what if there is any wicked way in me. Okay, fine, you asked me that, right? That prayer, you also sang it twice today. Okay, Peter was led to sing that song twice. That stanza twice. Okay, well, I'm going to do one thing. I'm going to take you through the what? To the wilderness. To humble you, to test you, to see what is in your heart. Because you know why? The heart is deceitful about all things and desperately wicked. You should know what is in your own heart first. So the, for the vision to come to pass, you cannot have an old heart. You need to have a new heart. Okay. You, can, you have to grow and you have to become strong in the spirit. And what will reveal your heart? It is a wilderness. What will reveal your heart? It is a testing and a trial which is more precious than gold that which will perish, which will test your faith. The faith which is more precious than gold which perishes, right? To know what is in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And what did God do? So he humbled you. He allowed you to hunger, fed you with manna, so that you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Okay. And then what did he do? Verse 4 and 5. Your garments did not wear nor did your foot swell for these 40 years, you should know in your heart that as a man chastens his children or his son, so the Lord has chastened you. So what has happened in the wilderness, a place of chastening, wilderness is a place of suffering, wilderness is a place of, of humbling. So what, what, what happened to John the Baptist? He was separated. Okay. And he was given, I mean, this strict lifestyle. And I read one of some of the things about what, how John the Baptist is, is described in the, in, in the, in the gospel accounts. It just fires me up. Look at what it says in Mark's gospel chapter one. Hmm? Now John was clothed with camel's hair and with a what around his waist? Leather belt around his waist. What does it mean? Why belt around your waist? Anybody knows? Exactly. So that you will eat less. Fasting. See, in the wilderness. And what kind of a hair? What kind of clothing? Camel's hair clothing. See, this is God's, uh, what do you call, uh, Bible college. Wilderness. Testing. Humbling, subjecting your body, disciplining your body, sleeping less. Two things you have to win in your life, sleep and food. If you cannot win sleep and if you cannot win food, you've lost the battle. Sleep and food. Four hours of sleep, can you withstand? Okay. No uncle, at least eight hours I need to sleep. Eight hours. Okay. <laughs> Understand? See, even in, in life, if you want to succeed, if you sleep for eight hours, you will never succeed. 
I mean, I had examples in the secular field. My boss, you know, he used to work in the morning till three in the morning, three to four in the morning. He used to work every day, every day. I'm not. I don't know his schedule now. Every day till three, three, three. I mean, he was already a professor. He already had hundreds of publications under him. He already graduated several students, master students, several PhD students. What more do you want in the lab? Yeah. Fighting sleep, and every time he used to fall asleep, he used to go and you know wash his face, brush his teeth, come back and come back and work. You know, these are the people who won over their sleep for what things? For temporal things. For what things? Hmm, temporal things. Ask my boss, sir, do you watch movies? No. Do you know the latest web series? No. Nothing. So when my director called me and he said, Vijay, why is that you're uh, hmm, leaving this and going somewhere? You can do both. You can also do research and you can... I said, sir, if I can't be like my, my boss, Madhav, sir, I don't want to be in this field. I can't put my hands in, my legs in both boats. It's impossible. 100% this or 100% that. So, wilderness is a place of humbling. Wilderness is a place of testing and seeing what is in your heart. Whether, when things not don't go your way, whether you'll get irritated. Like pastor was saying, no? The other name for anger. I like that word. Irritation. <laughs> Irritation. is <laughs> a, a manifestation of anger, if you will. Am I right? Especially when you're fasting, it comes very nicely. When your family is not doing it and you are doing it, my goodness, it even comes more. Look, I'm fasting for them and they don't even care. They have to eat before my eyes. And now, of course, in the few initial days, I used to struggle, but now I've kind of overcame. Okay. Clothes with camels. So what is it? What does wilderness teach you? I require bare minimum to survive in this physical body. That's what I learned from the wilderness. I don't need much. So how, see, when we, when we are supposed to be a people who will have abundance in our lives, how can we have abundance if we are spending upon our own, upon our own lusts? Bare minimum. Two meals a day. That's enough for me. Think about that. Okay. So good, good. Uh, as a corporate fast, you know what? Let me tell you something. This is something which you will never get in many, many places. They will say, okay, you can fast. Or they will say 21 day fast. The leadership also themselves will not fast. Hmm? This is serious business. So be careful. Don't take these opportunities for granted. Okay, every opportunity get grabbed with both hands and say, you know what? I want to learn the lessons of fasting. How will I learn the lessons of fasting? Unless I'm exactly right. Simple, no? The proof of the pudding is in the eating. The secrets of fasting is in fasting. Thank you very much. This is by what do you call as mathematical induction? Yeah. See, mathematics is applied everywhere. Hmm? <laughs> Understand this. So, look at what he says. Paul, I like what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 24 onwards. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way. He says, you know what? There is a vision. Everyone who came, comes into the race, you know the vision. The vision is to finish the race and to obtain the crown. You are not in competition with anybody. 
You are competing with your own self. The old man who is the enemy. And everyone who competes for the price is what? Is temperate. How do you learn temperance? By fasting. Can you imagine we say no to sugar and sweet? Wow! That was the greatest fasting. My wife, my wife can devour one silk chocolate completely and I'm looking at it and I'm saying no. No. Temperance. What teaches you? Fasting. Now they do obtain it for a perishable crown and what are we doing? For an imperishable crown and look at what he says therefore I run thus not with uncertainty thus I fight not as one who beats the air and every time I look at this I I get our great Mahinder who is a boxing champion and the other day we were having a discussion about uh, Muhammad Ali he said uncle nobody understands boxing the way that like you understand in our church I said yeah exactly because I know boxing is not a very easy sport it's got a lot of things it's just not power it's endurance you know, in that three three minute bout, how much energy you expound, and with with such weight, and the, the greatest of all time, we is called Muhammad Ali. And what was his uh, motto? Fly like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Footwork and his punch. Dodge, 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 punch. And every time is to punch, it used to be bullseye, man. To disorient that the other guy, and that was to that fellow is to come like a raging bull, dodge, 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 punch. And once he knows that his opponent is 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 lost it, he has lost his stamina. He goes for the kill and he pulverizes him into submission. And when he was forty years old, approximately, he was the last bout that he was that he was supposed to fight. He was you know training himself to be uh, for the for the fight. You know what he was doing? He was running and running. He was he has to do uh, he used to run about five miles in, in a day. And after he ran five miles, he was saying, you know what? One more mile, one more mile, one more mile. And his body was screeching, saying, Ali, stop, Ali, just leave your body alone. And you know what he was saying, telling his mind, if if I don't sign off as a winner. My life is not worth it. This is my last bout. I have to sign off as a, I have to sign off as a winner. And he ran that extra mile. Muhammad Ali. What was he doing? Verse 27. I discipline my body and bring it to subjection. You know, when you said discipline the body, it's a very, not very, inter- not very intense words. I will show you more intense language. The intense language is in KJV. Look at what it says in 1st Corinthians chapter 9, chapter 9 verse 20. I keep my body is under me. It's like this. Yeshi. Rindu Otala. Adi point. That is what pulverizing your own body. Put that fellow under you. I keep under my body. And I make it my slave. Why? Lest by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Meaning what? I have this incredible vision. There are two parts of this vision. There is a vision that God gave me that this is a vision, this is a, this is a purpose for your life. You have to preach the gospel and there is an internal vision too for my own life. The crowns that I have to, I have to, I have to gain because of the character that is wrought in me. Both these races, my personal race and the ministry that God has entrusted into my hands. Both these have to be a winner. And what do I do with my body? I say, you know, it's like this, no? You're, you're making, you're, you're literally, in, in Telugu, it's very interesting. Balatkaram to. You know what Balatkaram is, right? Violently subjugating your body under you. Submitting it under you. Very intense words. 
I don't want to go to the actual word that is used because you might get offended. Keep under my body. Make it a slave. Because this fellow, he will try, he will dictate certain things into your life. You know that? And fasting will reveal all that, all the dictation. Come to that point where they say, you are my slave. Okay. Keep under my body and make it my slave. Matthew chapter 11. <clears throat> As they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, what did you go into the wilderness to see? What? A reed shaken with the wind. You see, did you see a man over there? You saw a frail creature, but do you think that you can move him? Do you see, you think how strong he is? How uncompromising he is? You, can you, can you make him, can you, can he be sold, sold for anything? Can he be, can he be bought with money? Can he be bought with pleasure? Can he be bought with anything? Absolutely not. He's uncompromising. You know what? The wilderness has wrought a work in his life. It's, it's wrought what we call as unshakable character. There's a vision. There's a preparation. And what is the wilderness that God has put you under? Thank God for that. If God has given you a lot, deny yourself. Young people, let me tell you something. This is very, very clear, very, very important that you discipline yourself right from the time that you're young. Okay? So that when you're old, it becomes a habit. What did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? No. Indeed, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say more than a prophet. For this is, for more than a prophet, for this is, uh, is he of whom it is written, etc. So what is he saying? He's saying, do you see this man? This is a testimony of Jesus about John the Baptist. A man who can easily be shaken, who can be easily bought, character has been wrought. He cannot be bought. He cannot be purchased. That is the reason why, if, uh, if you looked at, I think, uh, Numbers chapter 32, if I'm right, where uh, Pastor was talking about uh, discouraging your brothers. How do you discourage your brothers? Reubenites, Gadites, half the tribe of Manasseh. What did they do? Grass is very nice here. We want grass. Okay, our ministry is grass ministry. Okay, we will we will settle down here. Let them go. You know what? Immediately Moses said, "You do this, you will discourage the hearts of your brothers. Don't get comfortable. Don't get comfortable." All right. There's a vision. There's a separation. And this doesn't, even Apostle Paul had to go through this, right? Look at what it says in Galatians chapter 1. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb, and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with what? Flesh and blood. Okay. Received a vision. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to where? Arabia. Etc. What, what did I, why did I go to Arabia? In the wilderness. In the wilderness, all the kachada in my brain came out. God taught me. So first, there is a vision. Second, there is a preparation. Third, when you have a vision and you have a preparation, there is a third thing that comes to you, there is a living word. What comes to you? Living word. Where does it come? In the wilderness. Exactly. 
Look at what it says in Luke's Gospel chapter 3. Now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, Herod being the tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip being tetrarch of Aturia, and uh, and the uh, region of uh, Trachonitus, and Licinus, tetrarch of Abilene, while Annas and Caiaphas were the high priests, look at that, next word, the word of the Lord, came to John, the son of Zechariah, where? In the wilderness where he was, prepared. Ultimately, what is where the word, word of God come? It comes to the prepared vessel. That's the reason why I was saying. Lewingle said that when you prepare yourself, you make it as a launching pad for the word of the living word of God to come and launch. It's rather land on your launching pad. The living word. Let me tell you something. Even as you are listening to preaching on Sunday, Wednesday, or whatever, whatever, whichever time. If you have a, if you are a prepared, prepared vessel, then the word of God, instead of being a dead word, what comes to you? It becomes a living word. It comes and launches into your life. It says, you know what? The word of God is what? Whatever the word of God comes out, it will accomplish its purpose. But will it accomplish its purpose in your life? It depends upon you. Understand that. And what happened? And he went into all the region around Jordan preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah, the prophet saying. So what did he have? He received the living word. What word? You know what? The word of God came to John the Baptist. You know what the word word for word is? Not logos. It's rema. It's a rema. The rema of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by now what is that? Every Rema that proceeds from the mouth of God. And where was it? It came to a man who was prepared in the wilderness by God. Prepared in the wilderness by God. Separated from the things of this world. So separate yourself and prepare yourself. Let this time, 21 days of of fasting. Tremendous number. You know, let me tell you something. So many times I want to give up. (laughs) Okay. God did not stretch me in so many other areas. But you know what? Literally in the last 21 days, he's been stretching me. One more day. One more day, one more day, one more day. Let it happen, Lord. So that I will be prepared for the word that you have for me. You should be prepared for the word that God has for you. Everybody should read, receive that word. That is the reason why preparation with separation. Understand that. So, what, did, what, what came to him? The living word. And what, is the, what does the living word do? Look at what it says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. The word of the Lord is living. No, KJV uses the word quick. Hmm? And powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. What does it do? Pierces even to the division of soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. So the word that came from the mouth of Apostle John was so sharp. It was cutting people left, right and center. And was he changing the message for anybody? He was not changing the message for anybody. Look at what it says in Luke's Gospel chapter 3. Then he said to the multitudes that came out to be baptized of him. Who were coming out? Did he go to the multitudes or multitudes were coming to him? Look at the look at the way God prepares people for the ministry. No social program, no Bible college, nothing. No budget. No making anything. Just prepare yourself. I will send the people to you. You know that's exactly what happens in a pastors' conference. Every time I just only send a text as a reminder. 
Who comes? They come. It's been, it's been happening for 12 years. Consistently. Okay. And all the time, it's more people are coming. And new people are coming. Who's sending? God is sending. So, he said to the multitudes that came out to be baptized of him, brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Who are these people? The multitudes. There are other categories of people also who came. Who are the others who came? The Pharisees also came. If the Pharisees came, did he change the message? No, he's a, he's a reed that cannot be shaken. He's a reed. He looks like a reed. But you cannot shake him. Okay? When he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, brood of vipers, same thing. Message has not changed. Multitudes are also brood of vipers. <laughs> Pharisees and Sadducees are also brood of vipers. He didn't call the Pharisees and Sadducees brood of vipers and the multitudes uh, servants of God. No. He called them all brood of vipers. Because we are all brood of vipers. Okay, The word for brood is very interesting. The genome of the snake. Brood means the genome. We have the DNA of the snake inside of us. <laughs> it's a humble, humbling thing. No? And viper, you know what a viper is, right? The most poisonous bird. Sorry, no, a snake, not a bird. Okay, snake. Okay. How many of you like reptiles? What does God compare us, us to? Reptiles. What we hate, God also says, you are just like that. So every time you see a viper, it should remind you of God's assessment about you. Brood of vipers. And then how vipers, you know, have you seen the brood of vipers? When they, when a viper lays its egg, eggs, it doesn't lay one egg. It lays eggs. And when all of them hatch, you should see that sight. I know. You know. Exactly. They're all intertwingled like this and they're moving on each other. And when you look at that side, you'll say, oh, he's so nice and so cute. You will never say. You know what? God is looking at this organized set of people coming in one line to them. <laughs> coming in one straight line and standing before John the Baptist. He said, hey, you brood of vipers. In the spirit, you are this. Brood. And what did he have? He had the word of God. It's the anointed word which cuts. Which cuts. Either it offends you or convicts you. Salty. You know what salt is, right? When a salty water comes and touches your wound, it's not pleasant. That's what he says. Adding salt to injury. Fuel to fire, etc. What does it mean? It burns and it's called, he had a cutting word. But there was love behind it. There was preparation behind it. So I, I think about 30 years of preparation in the wilderness. Right from the time he was a child. If he was right from the time in the ch- as a child in the wilderness, who was along with him in the wilderness? Zachariah and Elizabeth, both were there with, along with him in the wilderness. Because they didn't live comfortable lifestyles. God gave them a vision and they were very faithful in ensuring that this guy comes to comes to uh, maturity so that he can fulfill God's purpose in his life. Okay, so he said, brood of vipers to everybody. Then, then he says, well, Luke's Gospel chapter 3, for I say to you that God is able to raise children to Abraham from these stones. So don't say that Abraham is your father. 
Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And he was giving these scathing, scathing words. And what happens? Look at the way the people respond. So the people asked him, what shall we do then? You see, even though the word of God is scathing, it is not, it is not unplain. It is very plain. It is very practical. They, they spoke plainly and practically. You know, it says that John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit. At least three or four people are, I think five people are mentioned as they are filled with the Holy Spirit. First is uh, John the Baptist filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay. Jesus filled with the Holy Spirit. Stephen filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay. On the day of when, when he is confronted by the Sanhedrin. All these five people who are filled with the Holy Spirit. What is common among all of these five? First thing, they were of plain speech. They spoke plainly. You uncircumcised in hearts and you stiff-necked people. Who said this? Stephen. But he said it with love. Paul, full of the Holy Spirit, looks at who? The Elimas, the sorcerer, and he says, you know what, you enemy of all righteousness, you son of the devil, will you not stop perverting the straight ways of the Lord? Full of the Holy Spirit. What happened to all all these people? What happened? Martyred. Okay, understand that. So you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Hallelujah. (laughs) (laughs) I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, all were martyred. They spoke plainly. Just very very And they said, what shall we do? The word of God came to them. And what is a practical thing that I have to do? John the Baptist did not leave them in the air with theory. He gave them practical lessons. So what is the practical lesson first? He answered and said to them, he who has two tunics, let him give to him that who has, who has none. And he who has food, let him do. Two things he touched, food and clothing. So what should you do? Stop eating one meal and that meal, what should you do? I remember pastor was talking about uh, this, his friend of his, right? He was a young boy. During the time of Lent, he used to fast. And whatever his mother is to prepare food, he used to put it in that uh, plantain leaf and he used to go and feed some people who did not have food. Right from the time he was like four or five years old or six years old. Think about that. Practical. Yes, right. In other words, he's saying, don't concentrate on what should we eat and what should we ah, drink and where. Don't concentrate. Because what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? What are, who, who are thinking like this? Like this? The Gentiles are thinking. If you are thinking like this, what are you? You can call yourself a born again, filled spirit filled. Gentile. <laughs> born again, spirit filled Gentile. Exactly. <laughs> Hallelujah. Born again, spirit filled Gentile. <laughs> That was awesome. <laughs> See that? Two tunics and food. First he says practical. In other words, stop thinking about yourself. Think about others. Don't be focused in your own life. Practical. People like it. See, prophecies, many of the prophecies are actually charismatic soothsayer. Fortune telling only. 
And what is the prophecy that uh, Apostle Paul re- uh, re- received? The great sufferings that you are going to share. Did you get ever, ever get that kind of a prophecy, Sami? I remember when I was coming back from Chennai. This was in 2010. There was one man of God, I think, I don't know. I don't want to judge anybody, okay? Uh, he was uh, he was in the other uh, seat next to me. Uh, he was also from Africa, okay? And uh, he looked at me and said, you're a Christian? Let me pray for you. By this time next year, Lord bless him, take him to another country, etc. I said, Baba, I already came back from Canada. I don't want to go there. <laughs> you see? It's all self-focus. Did you ever receive a prophecy one day which I you will be martyred in the in the in the in the in the in the, in the mission field? You will run for your life. No, no, that is not from God. That is not from God. You will suffer. Everybody will reject your ministry, and yet you have to love everybody. That is the prophecy over your life. Kya baat hai? You see, practical, 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 practical. Okay, don't be self-focused. 21 days, forget about everything. Let me tell you honestly, you know, now I'm able to concentrate more, sleepless. You see, there's a direct connotation and a connection between food and sleep. Practically, empirically proven. In the last, how many days? No, two days, what? uh, 10th day of our fasting? Close to? Yeah. Yeah, 11th day. 11th day of our fasting. Huh? Practically proven that if you eat less, you will Sleepless, thank you very much. See, direct proportionality, not inverse proportion. Eat more, sleep more. And eat more protein, 12 hours. You're like a lion. Because protein takes a lot of time. That fellow is very busy. His stomach says, please Vijay, don't give me any other work. I have a lot of work to do. So many animals fighting inside, not outside. Okay. <laughs> Understand this. Okay. Understand this. So, don't be self-focused, he's saying. And look at what he says. Next one. These are words which are coming from this guy. Then the tax collectors also came. Okay. Tax collectors, I know your problem, you fellows. You are people who are unscrupulous in the matters of money. You're covetous, you, you fellows. Your problem is covetousness. So it's very, very practical. What shall we do? How shall we bring forth fruit of repentance? I know your heart. Covetousness is ruling your heart. Collect no more than what is appointed for you. Practical. Practical. Be honest. In the matters of money, be honest. Hmm? Right, Sami? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> because Sami prepares our, our uh, what do you call balance sheet and I tell Sami, Sami, is there any, if there is anything, please let me know. Don't be, uh, say, how should I tell this to pastor? Tell me, this is not there, this is not right, so that I can, I can, I'm, I'm sure that I'm clear. I'm able to explain to you at least. That is what we call as audit, no? Okay. If I can't answer Sami, can I answer? Go ahead. Can you imagine? <laughs> right? Think about that, okay? And he said, collect no more than what is it mean. Honest in the matters of money. Don't be self-focused. Don't let covetousness rule your heart. So think about this. You know, generally during Christmas time, what is it? Eating, eating, eating. Every kind of cake. Rum cake, wine cake, plum cake. 
butter cake, oh, cream cake, every cake. It's like, you know, remember what, what the prophecy in Ezekiel? They are making cakes for the queen of heaven. You can give the cake to others. But you don't eat. Okay, cake for others is okay. Cake for you? <laughs> Dangerous. Okay. Collect no. And then and then then comes the soldiers. No, what we call as Rakshakabata, police, police officers. What is their problem? Hmm. Look at he says. Likewise, the soldiers asked them, saying, What shall we do? So he said to them, Do not intimidate anyone. Accuse falsely. Third, be content with your salary. Bah! Very difficult, no? To tell this to a police officer. Can you, sh- can you shake this man? Read that cannot be shaken. A man who's been through the wilderness has come out and he's got character which cannot be bought. Think about this, no? Akan was one guy who came through the wilderness. But you know what? He lost the battle with consciousness. 40 years of wilderness testing could not get rid of covetousness from his heart. Okay, understand this. First, there is a vision. Second, there is a preparation. Third, there is a living word, not just theory. This is absolute practical word. That for, that therefore, a church of the last days should be a people who have the living word of God. Because it's a living word of God which sustains everything. He sustains everything by the, you know what the word for word is there? Rima of his power. The word of his power. He sustains everything by the word of his power. And if you want everything to be sustained in your life, there is only one source. It is the living word of God. Living word of God. So there is a vision, preparation, living word. Fourth. There is a witness. Okay. Your credentials will be asked. What is your credential, Baba? Look at John the Baptist. I like it. I mean, it's powerful, no? Look at what he says. Now, the people who are, who did not receive his word, who are they? The Pharisees and the Sadducees. Everybody asks, what shall we do? Pharisees and Sadducees, sorry. Who are you? That's their question. Hmm? When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed. And did not deny. <laughs> I like that. He confessed. And he did not deny. But he confessed. What did he confess? I am not the Christ. You see, let me tell you something. Why is this important? Because in the last days, many, many, many false Christ will come. Many will say, you know, I am the Christ. Follow me. We have the complete revelation. We have everything. All the truth we have. No, 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 no. You don't have all truth. There's there's going to be incredible deception in the last days. I am not the Christ. He said, I'm not the Christ. Okay. Then what goes on to say? And they asked him, what are you then? Are you Elijah? I mean, uh, can we call you the prophet Elijah? He said, no, 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 no. I'm not that big also. I am not. Let, Let others, what? Appreciate me and not myself. That's what it says in Proverbs. Let others commend you and not yourselves. Don't put, put self-dabba. 
this is what I am, this is what I am. What are you? Assistant. Enough. Enough for my life. That itself is a very big uh, office to bear. He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? Hmm. He answered, I am not. In other words, he had a very clear understanding as to what he was. Not. Exactly. You should know what you are not. Saul, you are a king, not a priest. Do you understand that? Uzziah, you are a king, you are not the priest. You should know exactly what, where your, where your clear demarcations are. That is the reason why Psalm 16 says, my lines have fallen me, fallen for me where? In pleasant places, I have an excellent and a great heritage. Thank God for that. I have fallen. God has given me lines to lines and I'm going to stay within those boundaries and not going to usurp anything which is not mine. Because a man should not receive anything except what? Except that has been given from above. That's his witness. Witness. Okay. Then I said to him, who are you? That we may answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And look at what he says. Simple. And he said to them, I am a voice of the one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. You are all crooked, you fellows. Make your way straight. God is coming. Jesus is coming. My only aim in life is let all the obstructions which are, which are there in your life for the king of glory to come in should be removed. That's what I'm, that's what I'm here for. To help you to get rid of all the ob- obstructions in your life so that the king of glory can come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord. Mighty in battle. Let him come in. My objective, okay, that's what Pastor was talking about, you know, listen to the message on, on anger again. Why? So that he can remove all the objections in your heart, so that the king of glory can come, can, can, can come in. He can have a free way through your life. He can use you as a vessel of honor and through you bless others. Bless you to be a blessing to others. That is my objective. Make straight the ways of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now those who were sent were from the Pharisees and they asked him saying, why then do you baptize? If you are not the Christ, not Elijah, not the, not the prophet. John answered and said, I baptize you only with water. <laughs> but the one who stands among you, whom you do not know, there is one who stands among you, whom you do not know. It is he who is coming after me, is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to lose. Now let me ask you something. Does God, uh, does John the Baptist at this juncture know that Jesus is a Christ? Are you sure? We'll come to that. That is the reason why there's a, first there's a vision, second there's a preparation, there is a living word, there is a witness, and fifth one, there is a revelation. You see the order now? There is a What is the revelation? Hmm. After this, everything will change. The moment the revelation comes, everything in his life begins to change. And now he begins to bear fruit. We'll come to that later on. But before we come to that, let's see what is the revelation. John's Gospel chapter 1. Then John bore witness saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove. And he remained upon him. Look at the pronouns that he uses for the Holy Spirit. Okay. I did not know him. Who? I did not know who the Christ is. In fact, when Jesus came to him, he knew him in person. And he knew that he was more righteous than him, by the way. 
That's the reason why he said, you know what, I should be, you should be baptizing me, not I you. And Jesus says, no, let it be so, that we will fulfill all righteousness. So, and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he was sent upon me to baptize with water. <coughs> he sent me to baptize with water, said to me, upon whom you see, what? The spirit descending and remaining upon him, it is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Now he has a, a revelation of who God is, who the Son of God is. That, that is the reason why Paul, I'm mean, sorry, Jesus tells uh, Peter, upon this I will build my church. Upon what? Upon the revelation that I am the Christ, I am Jesus, the Son of God. Upon this I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. There can be no other foundation that can be laid except what? Christ. I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. That's what happens. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit, permit it to be so now. For thus it is befitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. So there's a revelation. Exactly. This is what it is. He is, he is the one. He is the Messiah. So the first one, there is a vision. Second, there's a preparation. Then there's a living word. Then there's a witness. Then there's a, a revelation. And after revelation comes the fruit. There's a fruit in your ministry now. There's a fruit in your ministry. Look at what it says. The sixth one. Again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples. And looking at Jesus, as he walked, he said, what did he say? Behold the Lamb of God. And what did they do? The two disciples. Who are these disciples? Whose disciples were they? John's disciples. Okay. The two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. No, what is happening now? He is making disciples of everybody. They're making, he's making them disciples of who? Not of, not of himself, but of Jesus. That is the fruit. Right? Then Jesus turned and seeing them following said to him, what do you seek? So what happened? They left John and they started following Jesus. But before they left John and started following Jesus, you know what they what they did? They heard John speak and they followed Jesus. One man of God says something very powerful. He says, on my epitaph, this has to be written. They heard me speak and they followed Jesus. On my tombstone, this should be written. They heard him speak. And they followed Jesus. And what happened? Two disciples began to follow Jesus. Now, what kind of a fruit did John have? John have? If I were to ask you, look at if you, what kind of disciples did John produce? Disciplined disciples or undisciplined disciples? What kind of a lifestyle did they have? Ah, Luke's Gospel chapter 5 verse 33. The quality of the fruit. You want to see the quality of the fruit? They said to him, John's disciples, what? Often fast and, hmm. But what about your disciples? <laughs> Often feast and play. Tambola, Tokurubilla. This is what we play in church. What do we call it? We call it harvest festival. And what is there in Harvest Festival? Tambola. Pyramids. What kind of a fruit did he produce? Fasting and praying disciples. Amazing, no? He had this kind of fruit. 
See, because he had that kind of a lifestyle, he had a fruit of people who would fast and pray in his ministry. And they left Jesus, and Jesus didn't have to really work upon them. No, fasting and prayer was common in their life. Of course, for three years they were fed, but after a while, they got it. They got the message, right? John's Gospel, chapter three. Then there arose a dispute among some of John's disciples and Jews about purification, and they came to John and said, "Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing, and all are going going to him. That's my purpose, right? Why should I be upset about it?" John answered and said, a man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. So what did they do? He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is what fulfilled. In other words, I fulfilled my ministry. It's over. He must Increase, I must decrease. There's fruit. Okay, so we looked at six things. And now we'll come to the last one. The seventh. There is what? Persecution. (laughs) There will be persecution. Consider it what? Joy. My dear brothers, when you find, when you fall into various kinds of trials, and one of the trials is persecution. Different ways. It comes in different ways. But you should be ready. You should not be offended. I think this is where John fell, failed, but the church which is preparing for the coming of the Lord should not fail. Matthew chapter 14. <clears throat> Who persecuted him? At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard the report about Jesus and said to his servants, This is John, the Baptist. He's risen from the dead and therefore these powers are at work in him. That is the reason why, you know, the guilty flee for nobody is pursuing him. The guilty flee when, or the wicked flee, when nobody is pursuing them, but the righteous are bold as the land. This is Proverbs chapter 28, verse 1. Okay, the righteous are bold as the land. This guy, no? Guilty conscience. Who's this guy? What's his name? Herod. He's a tetrarch. No, the, by the way, Herod comes from the line of, anybody knows? Esau, exactly. You know what the word Herod means? Comes from two words. Hero, appearance. So what does he, what does it mean? He appears like a hero, but he's a zero. Thank you, exactly. He's a big zero. He appears like a hero. He's a symbol of the man of the flesh. He is a symbol of the Antichrist who will oppose the purposes of Christ. The spirit of the Antichrist. This is not the Antichrist. It is the spirit of the Antichrist. He is opposing everything which is of Christ. A man given to pleasure. A man who has some kind of an inkling for the word of God, but he is defeated by pleasure. He has an appearance of a hero, but he is a big Zero. What does he do? For Herod laid hold of John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of who? Herodias. Herodias means what? Heroine. One is hero. The other is heroine. Who is this heroine? Legitimate heroine. His brother Philip's wife. 
Because John had said to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. That's, that's exactly what John is, right? John is of plain speech. It is not lawful for you to have her. And although he wanted to put him to death, he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. And who was actually more upset? Herodias was more upset. More than Herod, by the way. That's great. Hmm? So heroine was more upset, Baba. So don't marry heroines, young men, who appear to be very beautiful, but they have slaves of the flesh. Very beautiful looking, but they are the slaves of the flesh. They don't have any spiritual inkling at all in their hearts. They will destroy their li- your lives. I'm telling you honestly. It's very, very important for you. Not to be a stumbling block. Not to become a stumbling block. For others. The flesh will always, what does it do? It will persecute the spirit. Look at what it says in Galatians chapter 4. And remember the lineage of Herod. He's from Esau. What does uh, uh, Hebrews call Esau? I know. Hebrews calls him something. The book of Hebrews. The writer of Hebrews calls Esau somebody. Profane and a fornicator. Now what is the essence of fornication? We'll come to that. Okay. What is the quint essence of fornication? Who can be labeled as a fornicator? Not the person who is just merely marrying Let me come to that. Okay, we'll come to that. Galatians chapter 4, verse 28. Now we brothers, as Isaac was, are children of the promise. But as he who was born according to the flesh, what did he do? Persecuted him who was born according to the spirit. Even so it is now. So let me tell you honestly something. You need to expect this. People of the flesh will persecute you. If you are of the spirit. But it depends upon how you respond. So how did, how did Jesus ask us to respond? Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Blessed are you if you are persecuted for righteousness, righteousness sake. For yours is the kingdom of heaven. Okay, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is yours. So you, you have to expect this. So who's persecuting? The man of the flesh. And what is the essence of fornication? Look at what it says in Hebrews chapter 12. The essence of fornication. Verse 14. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see God. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Don't fall short of the grace of God. Okay. Why? God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. Lest any root of bitterness springs up, causing trouble. The word for bitterness, the exact Hebrew word is mara, from which we get the word rebellion. Bitterness. Poison. Wormwood. Okay. Unforgiveness. If you want to fall short of the grace of God. So, this is describing the man of the flesh. What is this man man of the flesh? He will fall short of the grace of God because he's a person who is bitter. Okay. And he defiles. Many get, many get defiled and he says, lest there be any fornicator or profane person like what? Esau. And what is the essence of fornication? Who for one morsel of food, what did he do? Sold his birthright. That means he despised his birthright. He despised the spiritual things for the flesh. Was he a fornicator? Hardly. He married other women, but he was not a fornicator. But what is in the sight of God? What is he? He is a fornicator. You know why? Because he despised the spiritual things for the things of the flesh. Whenever you despise the spiritual things for the things of the flesh, what are you? A fornicator and a profane person. 
When you give more value to the things of the flesh than the things of the spirit. When you give more value to the temporal than to the eternal. Okay. Understand? Temporary. What is that? Can you imagine? I am about to die. Because a man, he could not control his hunger. Could not control his hunger. Let, let me tell you, ask you something. You know, many of you are fasting. Can you work when you are fasting? Yes, you can. <laughs> can you play when you are fasting? Yes, you can. <laughs> can you hunt when you are fasting? Yes, you can. What happened to this man? Went hunting and came back fainting. And he said, you know what? Give me that lentil soup. In actually, that lentil soup Venetian is actually dal. Sambar. By extension. And he came into the kitchen and what smell struck him? Sambar. Stupid sambar. Not even mutton. Not even chicken. Not even dalcha. Dalcha has at least what? Mutton in it. You know it, right? Okay. By the way, 21st Christmas, you will have that. Okay. Okay, for those who are not fasting. Hmm? Hmm. <laughs> you see that? For the stupid sambar. That thadka hit him. Finished. He fell off. I mean, he fell off that uh, off his high horse and he says, Arey, give me that sambar, please. Sell your birthright. What good is my birthright when I die of what? Hunger. You see? What is he? A man of the flesh. Who is he? Herod. A man of the flesh who has no temperance, who is given over to fleshly desires. Flesh controls him. You know, this, all this is to motivate you to fast. Okay. Whenever I'm, I'm constructing every message, I'm saying, Lord, the church has to get this, Lord. We have to all get it. All get it. We'll never get this opportunity again. Where will you get this opportunity again? Grab it with both hands. These are spiritual Kairos moments. Don't miss it. Prepare yourself. Okay. For you know afterwards when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he wanted to inherit the blessing. Oh, it doesn't mean that he was not interested in the spiritual things. Was Herod not interested in the word that John was preaching? Of course he was interested. He often heard him. But he couldn't change. Why? Because he was given over to the flesh. Understand this. Look at what he says. He was rejected. He sought the what? He sought the blessing. He was rejected. Why? Okay, it's very important. He sought the blessing. How did he see the blessing? With tears. He sought the blessing. He sought it diligently with tears, but he still was rejected. Why? Because there was no place for him to repent. No place. He was very upset that he lost the blessing. But he was never upset that he despised his birthright. He was very upset that the blessing of his father did not come come upon him. The material blessings of his father did not come upon him. But he was not upset that he despised the spiritual things of God. And sold it for a morsel of food. That is Herod. And what does Herod do? They will persecute you. You know why? Because your life convicts them. 
profane person like Esau. For, for one morsel of food. Sold his birthright. So can you be bought? For one morsel of food? Okay. Understand? Understand this. Very important. Let us as a church use every opportunity that God gives us to prepare ourselves so that we will be a people who will be ready, ready, ready for the revelations of God in our lives. Then what happens? But when Herod's birthday was celebrated, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod. Therefore, he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. So she have, having been prompted by her mother, said, give me John the Baptist's head on a platter. Was John very happy, happy about it? No, he was offended. But you know what the Bible promises us? What does the Bible promise? Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 12. Everybody say? Everybody say yes. Thank you. Yes. Everybody say yes. Yes. Say yes. Yes. All who desire to live godly lives in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Will suffer persecution. You shall be persecuted. And it's that will God will allow. Different kinds. Different ways. To test you, to prune you, to see if there's offense in your heart. <laughs> of course, old covenant man, poor, poor man, the old covenant man. He was law and the prophet's man. So excuse him. But what about you and me? Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now look at this. Look at this. You know why? Because laws are coming even in our own country, by the way. You know the latest news from what happened in Karnataka. They already passed the anti-conversion bill. Almost by Tuesday, if I'm right, it's going to be on the floor. Hmm? Lawmakers. Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. What should you do? Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven. So they persecuted the prophets before you. Okay. What is he called? He's going to be the prophet of the highest. And what is the essence of prophecy? The spirit of what? Prophecy is the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. And what did they do? They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of the testimony. And they did not love their lives until the deaths. That is how you shine. Like a bright and a burning and a shining lamp. Be ready. Okay, It's not going to be easy. Not going to be easy. You will be persecuted. You'll be called all kinds of names. The people in your own house will be your own enemies, it says. Bible says that. Be very careful. Understand this. It's not going to be easy. Be prepared. Be prepared for persecution. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven. So, how do you become a burning and shining lamp? First, what is there? There is a vision. God has given us a vision. Then there is a preparation. Then there is a living word. There is a witness. There is a revelation. There is fruit. And there is persecution. And that is how you live like a burning and a shining lamp. And if you are like this, what will you be? You will be a part of the church which will be the connecting point, the connecting point into the next 
dispensation which is coming, the coming of the Lord. So this morning, don't get offended. Prepare yourselves 21 days. 21 days not of feasting, but of fasting. A lot of people say, you know, if you, uh, if you're not able to fast from food, uh, you can fast from your mobile phone. If you are not able to fast from food, you will not be able to fast from your mobile phone. What did I say? Chandana? Okay, you understand? If you are not able to fast, fast from food, you will not be able to fast from your mobile phone because it is connected from here. Because out of your belly shall flow, ah, labors of living water. Okay. So a lot of people will try to cut off television and movies, etc. You will not be able to do that unless until you stop this first. It's a direct correlation. Empirical data I have. Okay. I can prove to you time and again from my own life. So 21 days. So we are in the 11th day. How many more days are there? 10 days. If you are not able to fast diligently for the last 11 days, fast for the next 10 days. However you want to fast. But you know what? Be intentional. Don't just say, you know what, okay, don't choose the easy way out. What is the least, uh, uh, I, I, mean, I mean, what is the most comfortable fast for me? Don't choose that. <laughs> I mean, that is not intentional. That is, that is all fooling God and fooling yourself. I mean, God will not be fooled, you will be fooled. Be intentional. Okay. I mean, honestly, from the last 11 days, I drank uh, four cups of coffee and one liter of juice. And of course, brown water I'm having, that is coffee, black coffee. That's called brown water, okay? <laughs> just to keep myself awake. <laughs> black coffee I'm having just to keep myself awake. Understand? Because be intentional. Choose something which will become intentional about God. Don't choose comfort. Choose affliction. You know, they ask, you know, in GSS asked me, why didn't you take the next office? I said, bed, soft, robe, and the beautiful, neat office. I don't like it. It makes me very cozy and comfortable. Otherwise, immediately I will go and sleep. So they put me for one day there. After that one day, I was very uncomfortable, came back to this original place. This is nice and easy for me. Okay, don't choose. Deliberate. Choose to fast. And make your children also to do that. Okay, And you'll see, this and sleep are directly connected. The less you eat, the less you sleep. Because your body is given a lot of rest. <laughs> and you can use it for the glory of God. Amen? Seek God intentionally. 21 days. Lot is at stake. If you have a believing heart. You know, that guy said, no? Came to Jesus. Uh, if you can do anything, please heal my if it is possible for you to do anything, please heal my son. If it is possible for you to believe, and all things are possible for those who believe, and they asked, the disciples asked, why couldn't we not cast him out? Because you do not have faith. But if you want to get this kind of faith, what should you do? Fasting and prayer. Okay, Then you will get this kind of faith. Okay, There is a price to be paid. Given an opportunity, why don't you use it? Okay. Okay, it's freely given. Freely. Okay. It will, less on your, in your wallet also, you will spend very little. Okay. <laughs> Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we just want to thank you. You showed us a lot. How to be a burning and a shining lamp. We have been given a vision. And Lord, in order for that vision to come to fruition, Lord, there is a preparation. And many of us despise that preparation. 
But the very thing that you have prepared for us is a blessing we don't realize. And I pray, Father, we will not be like Esther, who will get softened by the comforts of the palace. When this incredible attack upon all your people all around the world, the Esthers, which is supposed to be the church, which has got the authority and the power to influence the king, let that church not become softened by pleasure and lose its vision. But let the words of Mordecai come to heart. Because Esthers have a danger of even softening and pouring water on those people who are fired up like Mordecai. They will send food and water and clothes. But Mordecai will say, I'm not fasting because I don't have anything. I have everything. I don't need your money. I don't need your clothes. I don't need your food. Don't let the comforts of the palace soften you. Let not the comforts that that God has given you make you focused on the comforts and not on the purposes of God. Pray, Father, we will also take the words of Mordecai to heart and we will say, fast for me. Me and my handmaids will all fast. And if I perish, I perish. Let there be an Esther church will rise up in these last days who will not be softened by pleasure. Because you told Israel, I've chosen you in the furnace of affliction. In the furnace of affliction. I pray, Father, that you find in our church men, women, children who will be forged and be chosen in the furnace of affliction. Who would have learned to put their body under them, under their subjection, and to beat it and plummet it and make it its their slave. So that they can be prepared for God to use them. For the word of God to come to them. There is a vision. There is a preparation. Give us that living word, O Lord. Give us a witness. Give us fruit. And Lord, enable us to be prepared for the worst times. Because you promised all those who desire to live godly lives in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And when the testings and the trials come away, enable us not to get offended and betray one another and fall away. Because you said in your word and you promised in the last days that many of the people's hearts will wax cold because lawlessness will abound. Lawlessness will lead to lovelessness. But I pray, Father, that Lord, you will find in us people in whom righteousness will increase and in whom love toward you and love toward fellow brothers and sisters will increase. Challenge us and prepare us for the days ahead. Thank you, Father. We praise you. We worship you. We give you glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you all.